Hi, welcome back. I'm here with Paul Rubenstein. Paul, how are you? I'm great, Al. It's great to see you. Yeah, it's great to see you as well. And I'm excited for our topic today because you are very committed to understanding human connection and how data can facilitate this. But before we jump in, will you introduce yourself and a little bit about what you do there at Vizier? Oh, geez, I forgot to to prescript the introduction. Um, I'm Paul Rubenstein. I'm a uh, recovering consultant uh, on his second journey in life. Um, 20 years, uh, you know, in the consulting firms doing that thing. And um, I joined a tech startup and it's been amazing. I fell in love with a company that had an amazing mission um, that was about, you know, unlocking a human truth and helping us all see it better. And uh, you know, I found myself as head of HR. We've been growing. Um, we're definitely people analytics rock stars at Vizier. Uh, we're certainly HR famous. Um, what's next business famous? I don't know. Uh, but we're having a good time. We're growing and it's been, I never thought I would do anything like this in my life. Well, I mean, I've, you know, I'm a fan of what you all are doing there. And I also really like and respect and appreciate your commitment to bettering the world through data and analytics. And in so doing that, we have to see people as human. So it's not just data, there's people behind this. So can you speak to your view there? Uh, you know, it's, geez, out. like you and I have been doing this people analytics thing for how long now? Eight, nine years? I can't remember, right? But it felt really lonely at the beginning, okay? And I think there were, yeah, I used to get really excited about the tech. I used to get really excited about the data. And I don't know, maybe a couple of years in, I realized, wow, we, we have to remember that this is a means to an end, that people analytics exists to drive an outcome. It is creating it is not the um, outcome. That is not the, that is not the value of it. The value is when it takes somebody and changes their decision. The value is when it helps reveal a more objective truth around a decision. The health is that the real value is when somebody's making a decision and they get better context, right? Or a whole lot of small decisions get connected to a bigger strategic outcome. That's collective outcome. Mm -hmm. um, and that's amazing, right? You know, when you can get the whole company aligned through data, publishing isn't enough. Putting it in the right people's hands, and having it have meaning. I mean, that's that's really what I've been, you know, focused on, especially in the last year and a half, especially with the COVID, especially since I've been obsessed with helping everybody who's connecting in our company through this little box, understand what's behind the camera. Wow, if I put my hand behind the camera, you can't really see it. That didn't work as I thought it was gonna, but you got the idea. Right. Well, you know, if we're talking about the history going back even further, it, this people analytics thing, the insight that was generated was primarily for strategic decision making. You know, a leader wanted to know what was happening in the organization, organizational surveys, you know, how many people are leaving, yeah. how many people are hiring, so basic metrics like that. But now it's getting more and more granular. And so far, it's getting down to an individual level and helping facilitate connection between the manager and the employee. But that has to be accurate and it has to have integrity and it has to inspire confidence. 
So can you speak to your views on you know, the value and the opportunity there between the employee and the manager? So yeah, I've, I've been thinking about this a lot, right? So let's start with the employee. People analytics has to start with the employee. My, my, my new thing I say all the time is um, people analytics interests me. Person analytics fascinates me. When you can go from looking at a trend, which is you know what we've all done, because it was easiest to look in macro data, to really use it to understand a single person and the richness of them. And we're really blessed right now, right? You know the the last two years, um, you know all the digital footprint we've left behind. We're able to see better. We're able to hear better. We're able to get a more accurate picture of an employee. Um, I don't know that we use it that well. And like, I put up a. I put up a picture there. Somebody was telling me like, okay, well, you know, I, I get all this data from my HRIS. Okay. We're going deep into the depths now. All right. Can you, can you pull up or I can pull up a slide, right? Hold on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I used this the other day. So like as an employee, right? Again, you started, it's always been a corporate and strategic view down. Let's do the employee view out. If I looked at a record of the my promotions, my transfers, my address changes, my org chart changes, my learning date. I don't know. Is that a true picture of me? Like if, is that a mirror that I would hold up to myself? You can kill that, that, that chair if you want, but the, but, the, but, but I like, I like us side by side. It's kind of fun. Um, but the, whoa, <laughs> uh, you know, I really wonder what is the richness that we want to see in each other, right? What is the richness that, like, what does a manager want to see about their employees? And what does an employee want to see about their managers? So, okay, I use people analytics all the time. I'm a, I'm a you know, a, a super user of Vizier. I push lots of stuff out there and I've had a lot of great success, but I woke up the other day and I'm like, wait a second, the heck do I know, right? I'm now in danger of being a corporate wonk. I, you know, I, do I really understand what a frontline manager, somebody who's managing a bunch of salespeople, somebody who's managing a bunch of CS people, managing a bunch of developers, like what's happening between the employee and the manager and what do they want to see? We went out. I just said, okay, let's ask. I'm like employee surveys. I always find they have a lot of rules. I'm like, yeah, let's break the rules. Just ask questions and we'll figure out how to, you know, scrape the data later. I was like, well, what do you want to see? Give me a second to pull something uh, up. I I didn't prepare one thing, Alan. Now I know I need it. Yeah, don't not that. I'll just talk to it. Um, okay. uh, uh, give me just a second here. Um, it was yesterday's. Wow, we're doing this in real time. But I, I asked everyone, like, what is what do you what do you actually want to see about each other, right? What is the data that would um, help you? Man, I'm too slow. I'll just do it from memory. Okay. Both ways, understand motivations and intentions, understand productivity, understand blockers, understand what's going on beyond just work, right? It was, it was almost exactly the same thing that managers want to know about employees and employees want to know about managers. Some of it was truly data-driven. Um, some of it was just a damn good conversation. And it often makes me think about experience data. Like a lot of work goes in and a lot of money goes into talking about employee experience. 
And what I come to realize, and well, I remember the basics. Your HR technology isn't what's going to create an amazing employee experience. The employee experience that makes a difference is that moment of intersection between the, the employee and the manager. People leave their managers. People stay for their managers. So a lot of what I've been thinking about and our team has been thinking about is how do we put, what do we put in the hands of the manager to really make, you know, to open up the aperture, to give them better context, to, to connect it to better decisions. So now you can do that fancy slide there, <laughs> right? So like, what is it, what does it look like? Okay. We're calling it the people cloud right now, but let's start with the blue circle, right? People, people data is interesting. It's more interesting when you layer in business data. And by the way, I'll come back to this. If I want to look at the transfers, promotion, learning, et cetera, of my salespeople, that's cute. But what if I look at their network connections to see if they are spending more time internally or externally? Not that one is better than the other, but you know, external connections might show me how many leads they're actually doing, right? You know, or how how broad they're can uh, or deep they are penetrating um, a uh, organization or a pursuit. Internal might turn around and say, "Wow, this person is bringing the best of our company out to a sales lead." Right? That's an example of layering a network. And what if I take in the sales data? What if I'm able to look at this against pipeline? Um, you, you can go on and on and start layering in different data, you know, with customer success, layering in NPS scores and the sub data around that and, and productivity data. You know, I think about developers. Developer doesn't look at their HRIS data and say, oh, that tells a story about me. They look at their JIRA data. How many story points did they create? How many bugs did they fix, et cetera? So I, you know, that blue circle, people data plus business data, I, I, I get it. I actually resent it because I, people data is business data, damn it. Right. You know, I don't know why we don't think of it that way or why it has its own name, but it does lead me to think about the future, which is that a lot of people outside of HR have been good for good with analytics for a long time. And if you're a people manager, right. Or a department manager, whatever it is, you're bombarded with information from finance, from operations, from you get all these different systems. And often it's the financial metrics or the delivery metrics are at the center of your analytics. In the future, people will be at the center of analytics. If people is our biggest cost, biggest, most important commodity, most constrained supply, whatever you want to call it, if people do make a difference, then you shouldn't like, handcuff people managers by forcing them to, oh, I get all my data from everyone else. And then I'm going to layer the people data on it and beg for it to come together. No, it should all be together from the beginning. People can be at the center of it. So I think that that's, that's the first thing. The second thing is it's got to be democratized, right? you got to get it out there into people. Vizier is really blessed. We have a lot of really happy clients, renewal rates, all these things that make us a, a successful growth company that attracts capital and, and all this it's good stuff. We're blessed. We have a lot of happy customers, but I think the truly successful ones are the ones who get the data out 
of HR and into the hands of everybody. And the really, really successful ones are the ones who don't just look at their HR data and people data, they're looking at the larger lens of business data and people data together to give a whole picture. And then finally, like benchmarks, do you ever have to like go beg someone for a benchmark so you can have a relative decision and someone say, oh, I have the subscription, I'm gonna type it in and, and you know, maybe I'll give this to you. I don't really wanna give this to you because I don't know what you're gonna do with it, et cetera. Jeez, it's context, right? So somewhere we have to get to this vision of analytics tools that don't require superpowers to interpret, benchmarks that aren't you know guarded by people like they're some secret treasure. They're actually relativist. They help give you context for a decision. And by the way, those benchmarks can be about things like DNI. They don't have to just be about cost. They can be about many things. And then this people business data and business data together. I think that is the future where we have to push decision-making of people managers. And that's what we should be achieving. Oh, wait, that, well, that was way long. I'm sorry. No, no, it was fantastic. I'm like, I go to these, like, I get these consultants who are like, you know, you really have these run on sentences. No, I thought, well, here, here's my uh, quick hit on that is number one, I couldn't agree more. Number two, it takes a leader to decide that this is how it's going to be. So we're going to make the investment in the requisite technology to bring this data together, and we're going to distribute it to those that can actually make a difference in an employee's day-to-day -day experience. It's now a choice. It's not like, do we have the data? Do we have the tools? Do we have, it, we, it's, a, it's a decision. It's, and I think it's there's a decision. cost to not making that decision. So, but, but here's the weird thing. 12 times a year, the CFO turns around and puts out the PL, right? You wake up and you're like, oh, I'm going to make a bunch of decisions between the, the PL I got and the next one that appears. Depending on those decisions, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a hero or a goat. You're a goat too many times, it ain't going to end well. But the CFO doesn't turn around and say, oh, well, we better hide what the, you know, you know, the impact of everyone's decision. We better hide our guardrails. No, it's HR like decided that, you know, this people data should be guarded. Yeah, I get privacy, but, you know, our contract with privacy is different and privacy, like, I think some of our assumptions about privacy are wrong. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, some of the things we think are private are wrong. We got to empower people and we have to hold people accountable for the ethical and responsible use of data, but holding it hostage so that it slows down business is not a good strategy and not a sustainable strategy. And I believe in the future, the people powered enterprise, there will be winners and losers. Mm -hmm. The losers will hide their data. They'll have managers who operate on instinct and inertia and the winners will be putting people data and business data in context in the hands of people leaders and employees every day. Love it. Love it. Hey, I'm going to bring this up because this relates to what you're just talking about. Oh. You want to for this? Yeah. Um, 
geez, I didn't know. Hey, can you click that again? I guess there's builds on it. Did I send you an actual PowerPoint? Yeah, look at that. Um, can you, yeah, click two more times. It should, it should fill those center circles, I think. I don't remember how I put this thing together. <laughs> but, you know, like everybody's talking about purpose, right? We want to, oh my God, thank you. That's beautiful. Um, a lot of people are about to talking about purpose, but again, it's, it's, you know, we want employees to connect with purpose, but I will tell you that's not enough. Their work has to connect too. Um, and because you can have your own personal purpose, but your work might not connect to it, right? You might be satisfied at work because, oh, I'm productive, um, but it may not personally inspire you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. Maybe, maybe that's good enough for you. You may have a personal purpose that is completely misaligned with the company purpose, right? You know, and yeah, you might feel like you're connected to the company through communications and the rituals at work, but you might not feel like you're actually making a contributing contribution because it's not a soulful contribution, right? not the thing that shows up in performance awards it's a in performance it's it's like a it's yeah i find meaning in you know i find a connection to the company on a i don't want to say spiritual level but this is about being mission driven and then, then like sometimes your work isn't connected to company purpose and that doesn't feel good right because you don't feel accomplished and you're definitely not going to be feel satisfied or appreciated if what you do doesn't show up in the product, in the results, or you can't see line of sight between what you do and the company's goals. The most important thing that I've come to value is distance to impact. If I throw a rock in the pond, can I see it land in that pond? And can I know when the ripples will hit the shore? So I've sort of been um, you know, pushing this notion at work of powered by purpose, like the, and you can kind of click to the next slide there. And yeah, I'm not. <laughs> because here's what I think. I think if you can connect, if you can get the magic triumvirate, right? Uh -huh. Your purpose, your work and company purpose all connected. Um, and you can have satisfaction between what's important to you. Yeah, it's that last slide. Um, what's important to you and does it you know, show up in your work? Your work showing up in company results, your purpose connected to company purpose, that's where you get growth, inspiration, and energy. And that's power. And it's when those three are in harmony, I think that's what, that's what makes growth companies grow. Individual growth comes from here. Remember, Company growth is just the sum of a lot of individuals growing. We have to remember that. Companies, yeah, I'll, let me stop right there. Well, let me ask you this, because what you are doing is connecting, like I'm listening to Brene Brown's podcast, which is mm -hmm. amazing in my view. I mean, she just uh, interviewed Amishi Jha, who wrote the book, uh, peak, um, peak mind, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Adam Grant, you know, think again. So there's all these, uh, and, and we'll go on and on. 
right? Uh, Susan Kane has a book. Uh, Susan David, who's actually going to be speaking at Outsmart, um, is fantastic, uh, emotional agility. What I want to highlight is there's all this literature, all this content out there about personal development and these dynamics that are very real, real from a neuroscience perspective to emotional well-being perspective, particularly given COVID and all the stresses that we have in day-to-day life. However, when we go into our work experience, it doesn't accommodate those realities. And what I hear you saying is that we can better understand the experience through data and say, hey, we want to empower people. We want to have them have well-being, but we have to better understand the system that they're existing in and the dynamics between the manager and their colleagues and the workload that they're being given, all these things that are going to either be enablers or they're going to be constraints. And there's going to, at the end of the day, be both. But am I reading this right? You're you're right. And and Al, you know, just because it it can be there and in some cases it is. And I think people analytics is leading the way in this. Okay. Mm. So I, I love your examples. I think the one of the powers I've learned of people analytics is how, how it can help sort signal from noise. It's really noisy to be a people manager. So often you spend your time with the squeaky wheel, not the quiet person, the quiet person who might contribute more than the squeaky wheel and the quiet person who um, they may actually be sending the signals to leave that you can't hear unless you see it in the data. And so when you combine together sentiment data, career trajectory, comp data, um, you, you know, there's, there's lots of things you can combine together to get a better signal and spend time on the right things and see a more human truth about the person. Again, you know, none of these, and, and also guide your conversations. You can have a better conversation about something if you if you read the data ahead of time. You'll ask better questions. A guy named uh, Mark Sullivan, he's, uh, he's a Lego. He taught me, he was one of my first consulting assignments in people analytics. And he taught me that, you know, the purpose of people analytics isn't to answer questions. It's to help people ask better questions. Mm-hmm. And I, I stuck with me to this day. Um, so, yeah, that human connection, that human truth can be found in the data which just it's just not comes from it it's not system driven it's ecosystem driven and i think that's the mistake don't think of people analytics as getting data out of a system think about what does a person want us to hear about themselves and what do you what insights do you need about a person what insights do you need between the manager and the person what insights do you need at a team level and what insights do you need at a company whole company level if you can nail those four levels of insights you're golden Hmm. and it isn't a maturity curve it isn't go step one at a time it isn't about predictive or prescriptive or any of this it's just about something that's insightful that gives somebody the ability to make a better decision than they would have to overcome instinct and find the signal in the noise yeah well Love it. Um, by the way, if you're listening or um, on the platform that you're on, b- by all means, ask questions um, if uh, or add comments. Um, I do have something that is a bit 
how do I say, uh, um, ethics is what I'm getting at. And here's the thing. And this is why I was struggling with the, with the question. So everything that I uh, have been advocating over the years is around, the, we want people to be seen, heard, and empowered. So through data, we can see people. Obviously, we can hear them through the means of communication, because like you said earlier, surveys are merely a communication device at yeah. scale, right? And if we empower people, hey, we see you, we hear you, and we're going to help you get where you want to go. So with the data now, you, know, you were kind of touched on this. Do I actually want to be seen? You know, if I am not, uh, hey, gosh, I'm, I am struggling. I am a... Uh, risk at leaving and you come a manager comes to me and says, oh gosh, you know, are, you know, what's going on? Are you struggling? And obviously the communication or the interaction can be much more tactful than that, but I'm just getting to this place, you know, when we go minority report and people are, are recognized, you know, right. uh, you know, the, the boundaries need to be set. And so that there needs to be awareness as an employee that my data is being collected Absolutely. and analyzed for virtuous purposes that not only benefit the organization, that benefit me individually. So can you speak to, to that? The first thing to remember is give to get. Like employees are giving you like, okay, some of it, I get it, you know, oh, uh, you know, we have a, a policy and, you know, yeah, sure, you have a privacy disclosure. I get it, we all have that. You have a policy of you own everyone's email and all these scary languages that the attorneys make you put in your policies, whatever. But you also have a social contract, right? Give to get. Mm -hmm. You want, especially when you get into sentiment, opinion, patterns, et cetera, you want authenticity and you want to create value, not just for the corporation, but for the individual, right? That's the social contract of the future, by the way, right? <laughs> that is for everything in employment, uh, you know, for the foreseeable future. If you have interesting career data and you want to show somebody, hey, I woke up this morning. I don't want like a fictional framework of where my career is going. Show me everyone who had my job and how they got here. Show me everybody who's left from my job and where they went. Take a look at the job that I'm interested in. Show me the different paths that people took to get there. And that's an example of you know, helping an employee find value in connecting the data, turn around and say, Hey, you know, I know we, I love what some companies are doing in giving back an individual's engagement score, right? Mm -hmm. Hey, you just took the survey. Here's your engagement score. What can you do about it? And how do you feel relative to others? Not these de-identified team scores, et cetera, which yeah, I get it. And there's a lot of reasons to do that, but I think there's a huge power in, 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 feeding that all back to the individual. I think helping somebody, look, the, the world is paying this, pay transparency. What does my compa ratio actually mean? Help me understand, you know, am I paid fairly? Am I paid fairly relative to the market and others? And what does this mean? Um, you know, how do I get my next set of money or next career move? Now, look, I have not mastered pay transparency. I don't know who has, and I'm like still scratching the surface of, of how to navigate it because it's tricky, but I know that that's where we have to go. Yeah, well, 
I couldn't agree more. I love your narrative, uh, your insights on this. You know, as we start to wrap up, I know that uh, Outsmart is coming up. So do you yeah. want to give a plug for that and what you all have going on? I, you know what? Look, I'm going to uh, marketing is going to kill me. Outsmart is great. It really is. Right. And yeah, there's a lot of busier um, stuff there. But man, if you've been to it, you know that it feels like it's only half busier. It feels like a collection of the cool kids and people analytics. And yeah. it's always been done, you know, with that intent, right? You know, rising tides lift all boats. We know that at busier, you know, by investing in everybody, I, mean, I don't care what platform you use, but the great practices around people analytics, um, you know, help everyone. Uh, and you know, we've had competitors present. We've had, you know, people use different systems for that. We don't, you know, it's not about that. It's about creating a community that really loves people analytics. Um, yeah, of course, everybody should use Vizier for the people analytics. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm actually not kidding. Um, but they're just, you know, it's a, but it is, it's really important that we elevate the use regardless of what technology has. And I think that's been some of the beautiful connections I've made um, at uh, Outsmart over the years. Well, you, uh, having participated, having contributed, I, I agree. It is a lot of fun. It is always insightful. And yeah, this is obviously going to be online this year, uh, yep. but we're also going to be getting together uh, later in the year as well. So, you know, look out for that and love the partnership with Vizier, love the partnership with you. Uh, so how can people learn more about you and what you're doing specifically? Uh, Twitter, uh, I've gotten better at using Twitter. Um, somebody helping me. Uh, I try to post some stuff there. LinkedIn, uh, is most of the posting I actually did a really fun article recently in entrepreneur on, um, uh, ghosting, uh, uh, and it, it gets quite personal. It's quite a personal read. I was like, Ooh, do I want to write this, uh, where I bring together ghosting as, uh, from dating, uh, in my past, uh, being ghosted as well as employee ghosting. And it's a real thing. Uh, that's really fun to learn more um, or just connect with me on LinkedIn. All right. Hey, Paul, super appreciate you and uh, you be well and uh, hope to see you in person very soon. All right. Take care. All right. You too. Bye-bye.